Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Are you looking to plan and book an upcoming Disney vacation? Contact the Tierra Talk Show's official travel agent, James from Destinations in Florida, by visiting destinationsinflorida.com backslash tiara for a free quote. The link is also included in the show notes on our website. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, actress Margaret Carey, to the show. Welcome, Margaret. Well, hello. I'm so happy to be talking with you. We were just speaking off air about so many different types of expos and conventions that you have attended. I got to meet you this past year at the D23 Expo and two years before that. And it's so wonderful just to see you interact with all of these Disney fans. Well, I love it. And isn't it marvelous? We go in and out of each other's lives like this, but Disney does that for you. You go here and you meet somebody that you haven't talked to for a year or so, and it's like old friends. You have the whole thing to talk about with uh, all things Disney and and the outlook of Disney. It's just a wonderful family to be with. I had a radio show for 10 and a half years out of um, uh, Southern California. And it was called Ministry Loves Company, and it was uh, for KKLA, the flagship of uh, uh, Salem Communication. And I was talking to Chuck McCann, the comedian. I said, why haven't you um, come over and been interviewed? And, you know, this is the second time, third time I'm asking you. And he said, why aren't you over signing autographs? I went, what? What are you talking about? He said, yes, Tinkerbell, everybody's waiting for you. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, the Hollywood Celebrity Show over at the uh, Beverly Garland uh, uh, Hotel. And uh, they have Saturday and Sunday. And uh, celebrities are over there. I said, you're, yeah, uh, well, of course, what he did was change the whole subject. And it turned around and it was all about Tinkerbell. So I wanted to talk to him. And he gave me a phone number, and I called this nice man, and I said, I don't know, I'm told that you're looking for me. He said, you get yourself right over here. I will have a table for you. I will. So my husband, my late husband, and I went over. There were 60, count them, six, zero people standing in line to meet the uh, original reference model for Walt Disney's Tinkerbell. I was stunned. I had no idea, and they were so sweet, so adorable. We had the best time, and then I went back the next day, and here's another part of it. Uh, you know, I just had a few photos from working with uh, Eddie Cantor or, um, you know, other things that I had done, the Three Stooges, etc. and I was out of, of pictures, and I was way out of Tinkerbell pictures, and suddenly... The last few people came up with the Tinkerbell 
photographs in color. And I'm going, what's going on? Well, there was a vendor there who was selling them Tinkerbell photographs for me to sign. And I said, um, you know, I don't know what to do tomorrow. So he said, I'll keep the lab open tonight, and I will bring you 100 photographs tomorrow for you to sign. And I thought, isn't this the most wonderful group of people that you ever want to be with? And so that's how it started. And I would say it was about 1997. I'm just so thrilled to be able to um, say that Tinkerbell and I are the same. We're alter egos. What? I mean, I could have been an alter ego for Maleficent. All Walt Disney and Roy Disney's fault. That's the way I put it. These two men just, they made magic. It was wonderful. Ditto. I absolutely agree with you on that. Let's talk a little bit about your beginnings in the entertainment industry and how that came about becoming an actress. I was born in 1929. As, as a child, uh, I was adopted. And these two parents, who were old enough to be my grandparents, thought I could make $8.50 a day. I mean, that was big money. So they put me in the movies, and I was as cute as could be. Oh, I was adorable. Anyway, I was way at the... They had just changed over, really, into talkies. There were no more silent films. So I talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. I'm, I'm a good talker. And I was in um, Midsummer Night's Dream, where I played a fairy. And I went on to do um, the Charlie Ruggles show, which was five years on ABC Family and then I worked at Fox as a dance director, and I was over there. I was over there when I got the call from my agent who said, can you get off tomorrow and get over to Disney Studios? They're interviewing for a three-and-a-half-inch Sprite who doesn't talk. And I said, Disney Studios, you know, I'll quit here at Fox uh, because Disney Studios has magic amongst all of the people who work in the business. I uh, choreographed a, um, a, a pantomime the night before I was to go on Monday evening of a little kid fixing breakfast in his kitchen. And I took my little 45 player, because it was to music, and I marched over to Disney Studios. My eyes were, were just dancing as I drove in, and they found my name on the list. You know, I mean, I had been in show business now a long time, but it was still magic. And uh, they told me where Mark Davis's room was, and I got lost. I finally found it, and I walked into this room, and there were two animation desks in the room, and around the wall were pictures pinned up of this darling little character with a little pointed skirt, and that's how I met Tinkerbell. And so I would uh, go over and uh, show up at the studio, and they would do my hair, and I would get into my bathing suit, my one-piece bathing suit, walk over to the one soundstage that they had at the time, and there would be Mark waiting for me and Jerry Geronimi, who's a very famous director. He's one of the three directors of, of um, Peter Pan. 
and we'd go over what the scenes were. The camera would, and the lighting would change, and it was it was magic. And then we would break for lunch, and then come back and do some more, and then I come back the next day. So that went on for about nine months. Let me tell you another story. One of the most exciting things that happened to me. Now you you got to know that I'm in my. I'm about 20 years old at this point. And we get a call from Mark Davis, who was just, and of course I called him Mr. Davis. That's so far ago, uh, so long ago, that we called everybody Mr., Mrs., or Miss. We never called them by the first name unless we got permission. So uh, Mark Davis called me and he said, would you happen to know somebody who could take the place of Hans Conried because he has a scheduling problem and of course he was the actor who did the um, reference work for Captain Hook and I thought huh he's asking me wow okay I said yes I know the man it's Henry Brandon so they got Henry Brandon, and he filled in for Hans Conried back and forth on this. And, and years later, I was over getting some pictures from the archives, the photo archives, ordering some. And <clears throat> Ed Squire said to me, you know, there's a man here that's dressed up like Captain Hook in many of these pictures, and we don't know who he is. Uh, it's not Hans Conried. And I looked at him and I smiled and felt like I knew everything. I said, no, it's Henry Brandon, the actor. They said, really? Well, that solves that problem. And I, once again, I just felt like I was on the inside of Disney. It's quite fascinating to see how Tinkerbell has evolved over the years since her premiere in Peter Pan. She now has a couple of her own spin-off movies, a couple of books, and she now has her own voice. So what do you think about this evolution of Tinkerbell herself? You know, I've always been asked by people, well, oh, she's talking in the films. And I said, yes, um, why don't you go back to the original? And this is one of the reasons I bring... James M. Barry's book, Unabridged, Peter Pan, to my table for people to read the book, because you will learn more about Tinkerbell, the real Tinkerbell, in the, uh, by reading the book than you ever will about seeing her on the screen <clears throat> or anyplace else, or the other characters. It's wonderful. Um, she has been picked up by culture, See, when we did Tinkerbell, the culture was much nicer, much more demure, let's put it that way. The thing that I love about the seven movies that were made with Tinkerbell with CGI, where, as I said to people who say, but she talked, she only talks to fairies and Peter Pan. That's what she's supposed to do. And, of course, the most wonderful one out of the seven for me was the Great Fairy Rescue because it was two movies and Tinkerbell gets accidentally caught by Liz and can't communicate with her. Only Liz hears a tinker, a, a t the tinkle of bells and they work it out. I love that. They work it out. 
I also love the part that the father, who was a scientist, was a neat guy. And then the other part of the movie are those wonderful fairies who are trying to rescue her in the rain. And of course they can't fly. So they, they, I, it, it, they're just in this terrible mess. And then of course Tinkerbell saves the day because she disables the car, which she as a tinker would know how to do. I think it's a beautiful movie. The other thing that I think of is she is childlike. She is so ready for any experience to learn something new, to be excited about life. And that's what people love about her. So I'm pretty sure that they'll take care because Reese Witherspoon is doing it for Disney. And now let's end the show with three Disney questions. I always ask my guests before I end the show, I call them the Fab Three. So we'll start with the Donald question, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to watch? Oh, Snow White. And that was, I mean, I waited and waited and waited until it came to the neighborhood and then utterly fascinated. And I cried for her and I worked for her and then the happy ending. And our goofy question, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Oh, good question. My best friend. Can I say uh, the handsome prince? The one from Snow White or or Prince Charming from Cinderella? Yes. (laughs) I don't blame you at all. I'm not picky. And finally, our Mickey question. If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? Ah... When you wish upon a star. Thank you so much for coming on the show this week, Margaret. It was an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Listeners, you can head to Margaret's website at www.tinkerbelltalks.com, and we hope to have you back on the show very soon. I would love it. You've been a dear, and you are an amazing person. So I'm going to wish you faith and trust and a whole bunch of pixie dust. Your soul be true.